Welcome to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. We're putting black girl magic in motion. This show is dedicated to reinventing wellness for women of color. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. It's your host, Lestrandra here, and I am so grateful that you have tuned in to join us this week. So I have to be honest, I'm feeling a little rusty on the microphone today because it's been a little while since I have done this. If you follow me on social media, primarily Instagram, you may have seen that I have had <laughs> a very eventful summer. Almost every other week, I was taking a trip somewhere, a lot of it for work, some of it for fun. I relocated to an entirely different city. Uh, I was just on the move the entire time. And while I was putting out podcast episodes, I was doing so much batching that I felt a little bit out of touch with some of the episodes that I was putting out because I had recorded them so far in advance and they had been put together way far in advance of when they were released that I just felt a little bit disconnected. And while that's great for efficiency's sake, I mean, if we're talking about balanced and and being a balanced black girl or a balanced black woman, it was great. But on the other hand, I did really miss... the the scrappiness that I had at the beginning of podcasting. And I think my happy place is probably somewhere in the middle where I'm being both efficient and have that personal touch. But it's been a while since I've sat down at the mic to record and I'm just so grateful to be able to do so. I am so grateful that uh, things have slowed down a little bit and that my schedule is not as hectic as it was over the summer because while it was really fun and I got to do a lot of incredible things. I'm also really happy to be able to slow down a little bit, which lends well to today's episode. But before we get into today's episode, I wanted to share with you the review of the week. So this week's review says, what a wonderful podcast. It is chock full of information regarding health and wellness for black women on so many levels. The host is welcoming, and I feel a sense of calm while listening to her. Keep up the great work. So thank you so much for this review. I really want Balanced Black Girl to feel calming and to feel welcoming and to hit the different areas of wellness that really relate to all of us in so many different ways. And so the fact that it does that for that listener is something that I am so grateful for, makes me so happy to hear, and is something that I want to continue to do and continue to evolve as this show moves forward. So if you have not yet left us a review on Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate it. Your feedback is so helpful. It is how new people find the show and it is what keeps the Balanced Black Girl train rolling. Before, also, before we dive into today's episode, you know, the next few weeks, I'm going to continue putting out some Balanced Black Girl episodes. Uh, I've interviewed amazing women over the summer, still have more incredible interviews to share. And after that, I'm actually going to be switching things up a bit. So October is going to be our one-year anniversary for Balanced Black Girl, which I cannot believe this past year has flown by and has been incredible in so many ways and challenging in a lot of other ways. But I'm really ready to kind of shake things up 
with the show a bit. So I'm really excited to start introducing some new segments, some new formats, uh, continue interviewing fantastic guests, continue partnering with incredible companies that can help us all feel a little bit more balanced. I'm really ready to shake things up. So if there are things that you would like to see, suggestions of guests that you would like to hear from, please be sure to hit us up at hello at balancedblackgirl.com. If there's any topics that you want to hear from, we would love to hear it because we really want the show to continue to evolve and to continue to be what you need. All right, so let's get into today's show topic, which is burnout. Now, burnout is becoming increasingly common. Actually, recently, burnout became an actual medical condition because it is something that so many of us are feeling nowadays just with how much we have on our plate, how much responsibility we're holding, and how much information we are all taking in. And I know it's something that I have definitely experienced over the past year and beforehand. I know it's something that a lot of you experience because I hear from many of you um, about overwhelm and, and burnout and how that is a a challenge for you. And so I'm really excited for you to tune into today's episode with our guest, Davia Roberts. So Davia is a certified yoga teacher and licensed mental health therapist who uses her background to make mental health resources available. She's the voice and brains behind the Affirm podcast, which if you have not tuned into, you must. She has a wonderful podcast that's linked in the show notes. Davia is based in Washington, D.C. and spent years working as a trauma counselor where she really witnessed the effects of burnout and secondary trauma firsthand in herself and with her colleagues, which inspired her to use her experience to shift toxic workplace culture to become informed about wellness approaches. So she is really an expert in helping people navigate workplace burnout and just overall burnout from either exposure to trauma or secondary trauma. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, and we just had such a great conversation. She is a wealth of knowledge and of information when it comes to mental health, specifically around navigating burnout. And something else that I really want you to listen out for in this episode is if you are someone who has not yet been to therapy uh, because you feel like therapy isn't the right fit for you, maybe you've heard of talk therapy and you're just not comfortable with the idea of talking to a stranger, which can be totally understandable. We talk a lot about the alternatives to talk therapy or other ways that you can benefit from therapy, other forms of therapy that you can benefit from, and how to find those types of therapies if talk therapy or if the idea of talking to a stranger just doesn't quite fit for you. I'm not going to give too much away because Davia does a far better job explaining all of these things than I do, but I know that you are going to love this episode as much as I loved being a part of this conversation. So without further ado, let's jump into our interview with Davia. So Davia, welcome to the show. I have been following your work for quite some time now. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. So can you tell our listeners who are just meeting you a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Oh, of course. And thank you for having me. So for those of you who may be new to me, my name is Davia Roberts, and I am a licensed therapist, and I'm a yoga teacher. And so all the stereotypes rolled into one, so very hippy-dippy. <laughs> um, I definitely 
started, you know, doing therapy because I wanted to help. I wanted to help my previous students. I worked in nonprofits and I was like, okay, we can do all this school work, but this isn't enough if we're not addressing the entirety of who you are. Mm -hmm. And eventually as I went off to school, my interest just shifted and I started working with women, specifically women of color. And that's what launched the Redefine Enough wellness platform for women of color. And that led into the Affirm podcast and retreats and there's all this information and just resources and content. So we weren't the ones kind of left on the outskirts of this, you know, mental health and wellness movement. Don't get it twisted. Black women mm-hmm. are definitely not new to wellness. Yeah. However, when it comes to mental health specifically, I think there's just been such a taboo that we haven't talked about it. It's been something that's been highly stigmatized. And I wanted my work to be able to bring Black women and other women of color into that fold and say, no, this is for you too. And we don't have to just be strong and deal with it and accept it as this lifelong burden. And that's that's what I worked on and continue to do counseling and work with survivors of trauma. And yeah, like life has allowed it to just unfold with new opportunities. So that's, that's what I've been up to. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And it is such, such important work that you do, especially around the conversations around destigmatizing mental health in our community are just so important. And I think that our generation is doing a lot of really wonderful things that maybe our parents and the generations before them, you know, didn't necessarily have access to or weren't necessarily as active in breaking down those stigmas as as a lot of folks our age are, but they're still so much more that we can continue to do and talk about for sure. I completely agree. There's a lot of work that has to be done. And I I definitely have this space of grace for like older generations. I'm like, how how could you know how to take care of yourself when you were never taught these tools? And I'm like, let's, let's think about it, you know, civil rights and not having access to resources is very real. And so I'm like, if you don't even have access to the tools that you need, what's the point of preaching about therapy? So we have to consider that this is newer for us um, Mm -hmm. because of access. And there's still issues with that. Like therapy is expensive. We're not going to lie here. Um, but, but yeah, things are shifting and it's exciting to see that shift. It is. Yes, it is. I mean, I've loved seeing that shift in other people just from being in the wellness space and, and watching the conversations that happen, but also seeing the shift personally and in a lot of people in my personal life over the years. It's been really great to see for sure. So I would love to talk a little bit about your experience, you know, working as a therapist, working in the mental health space, and also even just, you know, schooling and becoming a therapist, becoming a counselor, um, the graduate school space. I'm really curious about what your experience was like as a black woman, maybe in graduate school. Were there other black women in your program? Was there much diversity in your in your program or in your cohort of people with you? What was that experience like? Um, I was one of three black women there were no black men um, which isn't a surprise in the counseling profession there are typically fewer black men and especially when we get into like social service it's the dominant um, demographic are white women yeah and so naturally I know that I'm going to be a minority in that aspect however 
I went to the University of Texas at Austin. Austin is a very white city, if you are not familiar. And so me being a more vocal black woman, (laughs) it was definitely an interesting experience because for, for someone who's similar to me, if you see something that's messed up, you're like, oh no, let's address mm-hmm. it. Let's address it now. Yep. <laughs> and and sadly, the reality is that a lot of people preach diversity, preach inclusion, and preach what's in racism until it's actually confronted and called out. Yeah. And so for me, that became the exhausting thing where the burnout was feeling like this isolation as far as, okay. I have no issue with being the one that's going to call this ish out. Mm -hmm. However, I'm tired of having to be the one that calls it out. You can look at me side eyed all you want to, but that doesn't change anything. And so I think being in that space for any black woman or woman of color where you feel that you have to speak up, or you just feel tired and you're like, yeah. I, want to, I want to speak up, but I just don't have it in me or I don't want to deal with the possible repercussions or consequences. I'm like, that's a yeah. very valid concern. And Absolutely. so I don't judge any anyone who doesn't make that choice because mm-hmm. that's that's a privilege that other folks have. They can choose if they want to engage, whereas we kind of feel the burden of that. Yeah. So I can completely acknowledge that added layer, being a Black woman in graduate school and having this desire to to serve you know, people of color and make sure that we're not being mistreated and hearing people that are going to be future clinicians that were just blatantly racist. Ugh. And I was like, so no one's going to check that. I, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, exhausting though. Yeah, it is exhausting. And I don't, I don't feel like I ever burnt out in grad school. There were definitely challenging moments. Grad school isn't the most fun experience just because it's testing you. It's nonstop depending, you know, if you go mm-hmm. full time. However, I think once I got into my career postgraduate school, that's when I started to experience burnout. And it took a few years for that to actually happen. Um, I would say like the first instance was more so like, okay, I got a job just so I can eat. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't what I want to do. And so I'm bored and I'm not feeling motivated. And so it was more of a space of I'm over this. Mm -hmm. And eventually I got into the role that I wanted, but I was working in a rape crisis center and Mm. a domestic violence shelter. And so I loved the work that I did. However, it was highly traumatizing. I'm being, you know, exposed to to trauma and that resulted in burnout. Yeah. There were a lot of systems that weren't in place mm-hmm. to sustain, you know, just all around, you know, healthy well-being for for staff. It yeah. just wasn't realistic and that was a very humbling experience. And if I'm completely honest, I felt a lot of shame once mm-hmm. I actually realized that I was burnt out, that I was dealing with depression. Like I went into this space of, I can actually remember driving home from work, um, (laughs) being in the car on the bridge and like tears rolling down my face Mm. as I like realized, wow, you are depressed. Mm. And this shame came over. You are a therapist. You should have self-cared your way out of this. I'm preaching on the podcast and I have redefined enough in this wellness platform and I'm teaching 
other people how to take care of themselves. How didn't, you know, how, how did I let this happen to me? And the logical side of me is like, Hefa, you don't get to opt out. There is an opt out depression form. <laughs> it is life. It happens. Yes. But that burnout, I had to unpack a lot of shame and yeah. unlearn a lot of unhealthy messages because I just hadn't been fully prepared to to recognize it within myself and deal with it. Yeah. Well, and I really appreciate you sharing that because I think that that's another example of some of the stigmas around mental health. Like, oh, if someone's a mental health professional, then they must have it all together. Then they must not also need support. Then they must be totally but. perfect. And it's like, no, that that's not how that works either. You're still incredibly human. And if you're being exposed to trauma each and every day, that's going to impact you just like everybody exactly. else. Completely. Yeah. yeah. So how did you navigate that? I think for me, I can say that I was in a very lucky space where I had an amazing supervisor and I realized that not everyone is that blessed. So I remember talking to her one day and being very candid, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm burnt out. Yeah. I need to drop my hours. I can't work here as much. And for me, that meant making a sacrifice in how much I was going to be paid. And for someone who may be listening, <laughs> I know there are people like, ah, oh, I'm not taking no, <laughs> no salary cut. That's yeah. not happening. Yeah. But for me, it was very much about you can continue to get paid what you're being paid and be miserable. Yeah. Or you can take a price cut, you know, a salary cut and allow yourself to have peace of mind where you're not exhausted every day that you wake up, that you're not dreading, you know, driving up to the office where you don't feel, you know, completely unmotivated or you're sleeping through the weekend. Yeah. You, you can, you can choose mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, it's going to be a sacrifice either way. Yeah. It's simply reevaluating what are you going to sacrifice if there isn't a change. Yeah. And so we have to have these very real conversations with ourselves because I was working at a nonprofit mm -hmm. and a lot of people, what they didn't know, and there's this misconception that therapists are, y'all charge too much, y'all expensive, y'all just want to get the money. And I'm like, I had a master's degree in years of experience and I wasn't making 40 grand. Mm. Yeah. And that was the norm in our yeah. agency. They're like, oh, no, you need to have this experience. And yes, you're going to have this variant, you know, like taxing workload, but you're not going to be paid well. We're a nonprofit. We work on grants. That's just, just how have a is. good heart. Yes. Like you get paid in love. And I'm <laughs> like, love, love ain't enough. No, no. <laughs> and so I, I understood that that was going to be a big sacrifice for me, but it was something my physical well-being, my physical health was important. My mental and emotional well-being was more important than that check. Yeah, I could I could rearrange things. I could reprioritize things. And I think for for me, it was figuring out what's what's the most important. Yeah. Even though it sucked, <laughs> even though it was yeah. challenging, it was not an easy transition whatsoever. Sure. Yeah. That's what it consisted of. You know, finding those spaces for me to step back in my professional role, but also being intentional about how am I restoring once I get home. Yes. Netflix, Netflix and chilling ain't it. That's not restorative. <laughs> yeah. Like I didn't gain anything yeah. from that down to my diet 
it really took a lot of intentional practices mm-hmm. for me to see a shift. Yeah. And I think that's what's important for people to remember. Like if you are burnt out, think about what sacrifices do I have to make in order for there to be a significant change in my life. Yes. And also recognizing it takes time. Yep. The moment you make a, a change in your life, you're not going to see instant results. Mm-hmm. It can take months for you to feel back to normal. And, and giving yourself that grace yeah. because it's like a while. It's a process for sure. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So I would also love to talk to you a little bit more about yoga, kind of tying in with that because you are also a yoga instructor. So I'm curious, you know, where has your journey as a yogi kind of played into this? What made you want to become a yoga instructor as well? Because I love that you do that too. <laughs> In full transparency, it was burnout. Yeah. That's what led mm-hmm. me to, to yoga. Mm-hmm. So I had practiced yoga on and off since I was 16. Yeah. Found like a, my brother's like DVD or something like that <laughs> and just just did yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, because I was doing so many cases, I started to explore the idea of what can I do where I'm still working with clients, but I'm doing it in a way that restores me too. Yes. And I was like, girl, (laughs) you can teach yoga. This is such a therapeutic practice. Yes. And I actually got um, approved for a scholarship from an organization. And on top of that, my supervisor provided a certain amount of reimbursement for me. So a significant part of my yoga training was, was already paid. And so I only had to pay a little, pay a little bit out of pocket. So that was a blessing, but I ended up teaching yoga at the, the crisis center. Mm, And it was a way for, for everyone to come together. And it was specifically for women of color Yeah, and being able to hold that space (sighs) It was so transformative. It was such, it was so exciting for me to be able to do that and to be able to simultaneously heal with my, my clients. Yes. And so that was such an amazing process for me to be able to do that. And obviously not everyone can, you know, just say, okay, supervisor, I'm dealing with burnout. Can I teach yoga? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think the message in that moment is how can you create new ways to do what you're doing at your job in ways that are restorative or that excite you? Maybe you like to work with a certain demographic. Um, Maybe there's a certain project that you want to work. Pitch those things so that you you reconnect to why you you chose this job, why you Mm -hmm. accepted this role, Mm -hmm. because a lot of times we lose connection with our why. Why did we set out? in this thing to begin with, what are we purpose for? And once you reconnect to that, and for me, it was my why is, is basically to be a a vessel, to be a vessel of, of healing and trust and restoration for other women, specifically women of color. And I said, how can I tap into that in a way that allows me to be whole, allows me to actually just show up, you know, way. And I just had to get creative. And so I encourage anyone, what is your why? Write that thing down, mm-hmm. you know, really re-examine why you started this thing and then 
think of ways that you can infuse that back into your career. Because that is literally why I became a yoga teacher. I knew I needed something to to reconnect me to my why so that I could be excited, you yes. know, about showing up, about being there. And that was such a boost for me. Yeah. Oh, that's such good advice, though, to reconnect to the why and to find ways to kind of integrate your own healing into that why is such good advice. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I would love to dive into talking about burnout and workplace burnout a bit more because you do a lot of work in that space, which is really wonderful. I know that that's something that I think most people, not even just women, but right now kind of in our workforce, the way our society is set up with our constant accessibility to one another, it can be very Uh easy to feel like you need to be on all the time or like you need to be working all the time. Um, We're not necessarily in the healthiest space politically, a lot of corporations, (laughs) all of these things that impact all of us. If there's someone who is in a toxic workspace who maybe feels powerless in their ability to change the culture who maybe doesn't have those supportive supervisors like you described earlier, and it's really impacting them. How do you recommend they begin navigating through that situation to get to a better space? That is a great question. So I guess for me, it's it's kind of understanding like what is burnout, you know, to begin with. Mm -hmm. And burnout is essentially feeling this state of exhaustion and it has to be related to to work. Now it's one thing if it's, you know, your family, I'm like, okay, that's not professional burnout. Burnout is this exhaustion. And I'm in addition to that, like this cynicism, just like this negative outlook Mm -hmm. about just work and just, I'm not here for it anymore. Mm -hmm. That is that state (laughs) of being. Right. And, and, like you mentioned, our society has really just, this capitalistic society is really focused about what can you produce? Yeah. How fast can you produce it? And if you can't produce it at the level that we want, we'll get someone else who can. Yeah. And that's that reality is that we are human. Yeah. And that does not allow us to be human. These are unrealistic expectations for what we can naturally produce. And for, for someone who's, who's dealing with that burnout, who, who feels exhausted and they're like, I slept eight hours and I'm still tired when I wake up. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, okay, there may be a sign of burnout. Like Mm -hmm. you're physically depleted. That, that says, that's a moment that says, okay, how can we, we reevaluate once again, reconnecting to that, why getting creative, but what are ways that we can step back and say, what am I missing in this situation? But I would say for that person who is recognizing those signs of burnout, Think about what, what you actually need in this moment. Do you need a lifeline? Do you need help on a project? Are you constantly feeling overwhelmed by your caseload? Mm-hmm. Would it be okay to say to your supervisor, hey, I noticed you added this, you know, this particular project. I really want it to be great. Could I get an extension on this other thing that I'm also working on? Yeah. I want to make sure that I'm not doing a rush job on any of these. Mm-hmm. And being able to advocate for our needs. It's uncomfortable. Um, it's its something we're not necessarily used to doing. Yeah. But if we're going to have a shift, instead of waiting for it to get to the point where we drop the ball, yeah. we can be proactive. 
And it's not Absolutely. it's not a thing that we're failing if we drop the ball. If we have unrealistic caseloads, it's like, well, of course, it was bound to happen. Yeah. Something's going to slip. Um, however, if those things are happening, taking the time to say, I need an extension. Um, I need additional support. Could so-and-so from this department help me out on this particular way? Yeah. Advocating for our needs, whatever they look like. Yeah. And have the courage to say, all right, I noticed I work late on this day. I wanted to check in and say, hey, I'd like to work remotely from this day so I can finish these projects. Mm-hmm. So that way it has my full attention. Because at the end of the day, sometimes the people in our environments are going to continue to add things, yep. uh, especially if you're a high achiever. There yeah. are studies that show that supervisors will continue to burn out the high achievers. Why? Because they're like, okay, the difficult case should go to the person that always performs the best. Of yep. course, I'm going to give it to you. Exactly. But then you're burnt out because you're like, wait a minute, why do I always get the hard cases and the hard projects? Like, I want a break. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so- Maybe taking that time to pitch a, a project that you're actually passionate about instead yeah. and saying, like, OK, I notice I keep getting these difficult projects or these type of projects. Would it be cool if my next one aligns with this? We have to be able to to advocate. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that sometimes our advocacy goes unmet. So yeah. in those situations, it's about, once again, getting real about yeah. what things are. Is this a place that you need to stay in? Because if an, an environment is toxic yes. and it is a place where regardless of your self-advocacy, regardless of your self-care and your intentional practices to to take care of yourself, it, it's, it's still wearing you thin. It may be time mm-hmm. for a pivot. It also may be time to get on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Yep. Start shopping around for some other options because I love when people say, well, I want to be with this company forever. This sounds harsh, but it's reality. These companies will replace you. Oh, yeah, it's true. And and that's just the reality. You are replaceable. Mm-hmm. Like you as a person. No, you're not. But your role is replaceable. Let me yes. say that. Yeah. And I want to make sure that you are your priority, because at the end of the day, if you are not good and you are burnt out, you're not well when you go home. Yep. You can't show up well in your relationship. You can't even show up well for yourself. You're not finding joy. You're not dancing. You're mm-hmm. not You're not at peace. And is your paycheck worth your peace? Oof. And so Oof, that's <laughs> and a good one. <laughs> we have to ask because we've been told especially yeah. you know with older generations who have stayed in their their jobs for 20 years. Yeah. Um, their dedication was to that job. Yeah. But traditionally with that older generation before us, they didn't find their job as their purpose. Mm-mm. Our generation is like, my job has to align with my purpose yes. in this world. Yes. The older generation did not. <laughs> nope. and so we have this additional emotional attachment to these roles. And we have to also consider you don't have to live your purpose in your career. Yeah. Your purpose can show up in so many other ways. It does not have to be attached to a paycheck, yes. to a specific title. Our, our purpose and just our life alignment does not have to be attached to a career. Yes. And so allowing yourself to explore other avenues to to connect to that, whether it's through volunteering, um, having like a part-time job or a side hustle, 
let that show up. Yes. Maybe you recognize that this isn't going to be the it career and that be okay. But you take the time to, to find joy in other ways, whether it's volunteering, being a mentor, um, maybe you, you know, you create art and you vend on the weekends, Mm -hmm. whatever that thing is. It's about you redefining what you need because it doesn't have to be found in one career. Absolutely. Sometimes we just get so attached to what we think others want for ourselves or this image that we have to maintain. And the reality is we are more attached to that than our own peace. Yes. And once again, it just goes back to this idea Paycheck or peace? Which one do you want? Because you can stay in this burnt out space or you could take a risk because it is a risk Mm -hmm. and it is a privilege. If you are a single mom, the the amount of privilege that it takes for me to, I I quit my old job as a counselor and started doing mental health consulting. That's a privilege. I don't have kids. Mm -hmm. I ain't got to worry about nobody but me. Mm -hmm. Um, I recognize that as a beautiful privilege for me to have. But there are going to be risk regardless. Yeah. Yeah. And so figuring out what are you willing to risk and detach yourself from? Yes. What are some things that may have you stuck? And what are you willing to be flexible on? Are you willing to take a lower salary? Are you willing to work more hours for maybe the first six months of a, you know, a career change? What are you willing to do to get you the life that you want? Not the career, mm-hmm. but the that you want. Yeah. Yeah. And there was something that you said in there that I would love to just like really make sure our audience reiterates. And it's something that's been at top of mind for me personally recently is really detaching who we are from what we do and not finding our full identity in what we do. Um, I am working with a few coaches in a few different areas. I have like a life coach I'm working with, a business coach I'm working with. And, and at one point recently, both of them asked me either, you know, what do you like about yourself outside of professional accomplishments? Or what are you proud of yourself for outside of what you do? And they asked me that. And I'm just like, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to detach who I am from what I do. And I realize, oh, that's a problem. But uh, so many of us do that. So many. Yes, Lord. Yes, we do. And I have to admit, like, I'm totally guilty of that. I am. And it's funny, I had a past supervisor say it. He was like, Davia, you are a purpose driven person. He was like, whatever you do, you desire for it to be attached to your purpose. And because I have, like you said, an attachment to making sure that I'm living with purpose, I'm not just doing meaningless stuff. Exactly that can overwhelm my identity. And unfortunately, that means those achievements become my identity. Mm -hmm. What am I doing in the world versus how am I being in the world? What is my character? What is my integrity? Who am I when those things don't happen? Because uh, bringing it back to burnout, when your identity is so attached to achievement or performance, when performance doesn't hit those expectations that you or someone else had for yourself, you're not only questioning your performance, you're questioning yourself, Yeah. questioning your self-worth. You're questioning your ability to be considered worthy and good or of substance or value in the world. And that is unhealthy. Yep. That does not serve us because what we do is just a vessel. Yep. 
our careers are just a vessel for us to, to show up to, mm-hmm. to help people. And obviously that depends on what type of career that you have. Um, but I'm like, they're just things that we do. Yep. That's not to, to minimize it to that's it, but they don't define us exactly. unless we allow them to. And, and if we can't answer that question, who are we without this career? Then, then we have to re- essentially rebuild and reestablish who we are. Yeah. Identity, what, what we truly stand for. And I think part of me wants to say, when did we learn that we were mere, merely a culmination of our, our, our service and work? Yeah. Like when did we learn that. Yeah. And that could be family, that could be society, that could be school. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's different for everyone. But unpacking that because sometimes that's that's a source of our bar- our burnout. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that it doesn't matter how many hours that you do or don't work. If that's your belief, if for yourself mm-hmm. your identity is so tied into what you do, you could probably honestly have a job that's maybe not even that taxing. But if you view your identity as that, it still is going to be hard to find balance and peace. Completely. Yeah. If there's no healthy self-concept or you, and like you said, maybe you have a 20, you know, part-time job, 20 Mm -hmm. hours a week. But if you are over exhausting yourself, if you are the one who's like, okay, well, I didn't get, you know, 100% positive remarks on this last project. So now I'm taking it home. I'm, I'm working harder. I'm doing more. These are expectations that you've imposed upon yourself. And sometimes not always, because I do believe there are plenty of toxic work environments that are just stressing folks out. (laughs) But but sometimes we take on additional labor and actually tax ourselves beyond what anyone else expected. Yep, absolutely. So for the folks that never say no Mm -hmm. to the committee, like anybody want to run this committee? Could you do it? Say no, you don't have to say yes to everything. Exactly. And setting those boundaries without believing that if I don't do it, no one's going to do it. Okay, what if they don't? Mm-hmm. That doesn't say anything about you. Yeah. And in another question, and maybe this isn't me going into therapy mode, <laughs> <laughs> but if you always have to say yes, it makes me wonder what are you trying to approve? Yeah. Or what do you get out of being, feeling needed? Yep, absolutely. Being the martyr. Yeah. And so checking into that, no judgment, just checking into what's motivating me Mm -hmm. and how can I switch that and be in a more centered space that allows me to recognize this is how, this is what I can give and that be enough. Yep. What I can give is enough. My goodness, all of these things. I'm like, all of these questions. I'm like, I need to check in with myself, ask all of these things. <laughs> Peace, paycheck, enough. Like all of it is just so, so good. So I'm curious, kind of on the flip side of that, uh, let's say that someone is either a manager or a supervisor or a business owner themselves and has a team of employees and maybe wants to make sure that they're creating a space that is conducive to maybe healthy mental health for their employees or that they're not creating a culture of burnout. 
What do you recommend for someone in that position to maybe check that or to be aware of that or remedy it if they're seeing that in their organization? That's a great question. I love that. So one of the things that I'm currently working on is essentially establishing wellness workplace consultations yeah. where we're figuring out to do just that. Yeah. Um, and for if you're a manager and you don't even have to be an owner, so this mm-hmm. doesn't mean you have to be at the top of the food chain, yep. but say for your department, mm-hmm. one of the things that I think is important is establishing a culture that just honors mental health and wellness yeah. that, that talks about depression um, in a healthy way. Because there are some times where people unknowingly say very stigmatizing comments. Mm-hmm. So if someone calls out and says they you know, needed a mental health day, yeah. instead of saying, oh, they're just making it up, they're not anxious. I'm like, that within itself is stigmatizing. Yep. And then that sets the norm yep. that you're going to be judged if you say you need a mental health day or you say you have anxiety or whatever else the, the need is. Yeah. And so coming from a place where if you are a manager or you are a supervisor, one of the, and I'm pretty sure Brene Brown will back me up here. (laughs) (laughs) But if you can be honest and transparent and say, you know what, during the, you know, very busy seasons, I I feel the anxiety come up. And there have been times where I've had to, you know, call out for a mental health day or I've had to work from home remotely. So I want to make sure that you too have that opportunity because I know it gets challenging. Um, If you're feeling overwhelmed, let me know. I want to make sure that you're getting the support that you need. Making sure that you're mirroring what you say is safe for other people to do. Because if I don't see my leader doing it, I don't truly believe it's okay for me to do. Yes, that's true. And, and not waiting for someone to be burnt out, mm-hmm. checking in, you know, even if that means just doing an anonymous survey, like how are we doing, yeah. um, doing that quarterly, whatever the case is, making it normal for people to just say, hey, I need extra support yeah. and not waiting for them to reach out to you. Yeah. So saying, do you need help on this project? Or I've noticed a change mm-hmm. and I wanted to check in with you. I would definitely say the most the most three important things for a supervisor who's going to make a change is number one, have some understanding of mental health. Be transparent. And make it accessible. Yeah. Make it accessible. It shouldn't we shouldn't have to earn a mental health day. Yep. Such a good simply, point. Simply make it accessible. So important. So I would also like to talk about just different mental health resources for folks. You know, we did touch a bit on some of the stigmas around mental health. And on your podcast, you had an episode that I really loved. And we will make sure that we link a firm podcast in the show notes so you all can listen. Also, the Patreons so that you can go support the Patreon to help keep the show going linked in the show notes. Yes, that's what we're here for. That is what we're here for. We will have all of that linked in the show notes so that our listeners can go support. Um, and you had a really great episode about reasons why therapy may not be working out for people. Like maybe if they try it and something's not quite connecting, some reasons why that may not be. And one of the reasons that I 
really, really thought was great that I would love to talk more with you about is about talk therapy. Most people, when they think of therapy, think about just sitting on a couch, talking to someone about their problems, and that's it. And that is just kind of the tip of the iceberg when it comes to therapy. So I'd love to dive into that with you. If someone maybe feels like talk therapy is not a good fit for them, what some of the other options are that they could seek out as a resource? Yes. So traditionally, most people just conceptualize therapy as going to a quiet office with dimmed lighting and sitting (laughs) on the couch and just talking about their life for about 45, 50 minutes. But I'll be honest, that doesn't work for everyone. Not everyone naturally trusts sitting and sharing their life with some stranger or Maybe you had a very traumatic life experience and you just don't have the words to to share it. You're not comfortable just verbalizing. The idea of having to say it out loud is overwhelming. And so I think for folks who are in those situations or or even if you're just tired of talk therapy and you're like, look, I want to try something new. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) There are some other options that I love. And so I'm going to give a quick little rundown. Perfect. Um, I would say art therapy is an amazing option. It it sounds exactly like what it is. It is working with a therapist through, through painting, through drawing, sculpture, maybe photography or collages to essentially use that art form Mm -hmm. to express the feelings or the experiences that you've gone through. It's not about, you know, making this piece that can go into a museum. That's not the purpose. The purpose is to actually express yourself uncensored yeah. and allow the art to speak on your behalf. And for folks who just like, I just can't put it into words, I think that's a great place mm-hmm. because a lot of kids do really well because naturally yeah. they just don't have the words. Yeah. But for someone, an adult, it's a great way to get out of your head. Yeah. Um, I would say another one that's great for getting out of your head is sand tray. And it sounds exactly... <laughs> like what it is. It is a tray full of sand. You're not going to get in it. It's not like elementary school, like getting into the sandbox. That's not (laughs) what we're doing. Um, Instead, you take figurines and you use figurines inside the sand tray Mm -hmm. to express a certain life experience. Mm. Um, I've done it personally with a therapist where we would talk about, okay, in this situation, how did you feel? Yeah. And Instead of me saying, well, I felt upset. No, I would then take different figurines in the room and place them in the sand tray. Yeah. And there were some times where I was really defensive and I was like, I don't want to talk about my feelings. This is stupid. Yeah. But <laughs> I would put them down and be like, all right, I'm done. And then my therapist would put, pull on different things and things that she saw. And so even subconsciously, I was expressing my feelings, even though I was being defensive, even though I didn't want to do it, where maybe I had guards in front of me. Yeah. And at the moment I was like, okay, this is big. Okay. Just put that down. Yeah. But she would be able to say, okay, I noticed that there's a lot of protection. There are some layers of defense here. Mm -hmm. Tell me when that came up. And so using that as a guide to to allow communication that doesn't have to necessarily rely on 100% verbal communication. Mm -hmm. So I would say art therapy, sand tray, there is EMDR. EMDR is, is is very, it's great for survivors of trauma. Yeah. 
And you do have communication that happens. So it's not in silence. Mm -hmm. There is verbalizing that happens. We have to establish like, okay, what is the incident that we actually want to focus on, Mm -hmm. you know, processing? And I'm not going to lie, it sounds a little bit like voodoo, so I'm not going to go too far. (laughs) (laughs) What does EMDR stand for? It stands for eye movement desensitization reprocessing. So it's definitely a mouthful. Uh, But EMDR focuses on your move, the movement of your eyes from left to right. So you may follow someone's finger or your eyes may follow a a light and you go left to right and back and forth. Mm -hmm. But throughout that, that process, you have a therapist that's guiding you to revisit a certain life Mm -hmm. situation. Um, but we're checking in with you throughout the process so yeah. that you're not getting overwhelmed yeah. or overstimulated because you don't want it to be re-traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the amount of communication is completely different yeah. from just traditional talk therapy. Yeah. And there's, there's dance and movement therapy. There's music therapy. There are just so many wow. options that I wish people knew of. Yeah. Because it really allows you to explore, to get out of your shell, because so many people can say, well, therapy is just not for me. But if you've only tried one form, that's like only having vanilla ice cream. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, that's bland. That don't work. (laughs) (laughs) There are times more. And so if you actually find the right flavor for you, you may tap into this, this type of healing that could be transformative for you. Yeah finding number one, the right therapist that you can trust Mm -hmm. and then the right modality that that will unlock some things for you. Yeah, absolutely. So if someone is interested in one of these forms of therapy, are there resources that you recommend are good for, you know, finding practitioners or how do how do people find out about these? Yeah. So I would say, depending on your circumstance, so there are a few options. If you don't have a therapist Mm -hmm. at all, find out what option you'd like to try first. Yeah. So if you're interested in doing sand tray, um, then I would definitely suggest doing a general, you could do a general Google search of the sand tray therapy in the city that you're in. Mm -hmm. But if you already have someone, you already have a clinician, then I would recommend bringing it up to them. Letting them know, hey, we've been doing traditional talk therapy for a while now. Yeah. I'm interested, you know, also in trying this. You know, how, what what experience level do you have with this, or how comfortable would you feel for us to tap into this together? Or do you have a referral mm-hmm. of something that you trust who would be a good fit for me for me to to do this? Um, I always recommend if you don't have a therapist, going to Psychology t- Today. Mm-hmm. Um, Open Path Collective. There is um, Therapy for Black Girls, Therapy mm-hmm. for Black Men. There are so many different options yep. out there. And I know that price can be a concern for a lot of folks. Yeah. And so asking for sliding scale options, and I'm pretty sure that you've had a whole episode about this already. <laughs> um, but just making sure that you're just kind of advocating and yeah. ask yeah. all the questions. Mm-hmm. A therapist, tend to have a free like 15 to 20 minute like phone call consultation that they'll offer where you can say, hey, do you have experience with this? I'm Mm -hmm. interested in trying art therapy or I'm interested in trying movement. Ask those questions before you sign up and have your first session. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a really great point. And I'm glad that you said that because I think 
two, it's really important to when you're looking for a therapist, really any kind of care provider to also kind of interview them a little bit, like really mm-hmm. ask questions and be um, pretty clear on what you'd hope to get out of it and their experience level so that you can really advocate for yourself when you're seeking treatment. 100%. I I will completely say when folks have told me that a clinician did not offer a free consultation and that their consultation was like $200. I was like, you run, yeah, you run. That's a red flag. Yes, that's a red flag. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, what's the point of you opening up and sharing your entire life in a session? And for some folks, I, one woman told me she's, she paid over $250. I was like, you paid over 200 something dollars. That ain't cheap no. at all. Um, And then you didn't even work with this person. I'm like, your time and emotional energy and investment that goes into that is a lot. You can't get that back. Mm -hmm. So if someone says that they're not even able to do a quick phone call with you and don't get it twisted, they're not going to be on the phone with you for an hour. They still got clients. All right. (laughs) And that's not a therapy session, the consultation. It's more so so you can understand their background and see if they're a good fit. Correct. That is what it's about. It is not a counseling session. Mm -hmm. It is determining would we even be a good fit? Because there are folks that have loved um, the idea of working with me. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, if you want to talk about eating disorders, I'm not the one for you. You may like my personality, Mm -hmm. but that's not my background. And I want to make sure that you're getting with someone that can actually support you the way that you deserve. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that advice. And we'll also make sure that we have those resources for like Psychology Today, Therapy for Black Girls uh, linked in the show notes to make it easy for folks to find practitioners in their area for sure. So let's get down to our last couple of questions here. Just a few more things that I would love to chat with you about. So um, recently you announced that you were ending your platform Redefine Enough, which was wonderful. You had an amazing, it was about four or five years that you mm-hmm. ran Redefine Enough, which yeah. is an incredible platform um, that you're sunsetting it. So I would love to know what is next for you. What can we look forward to? Well, it's it's interesting because I never had intentions of starting Redefine Enough when I left grad school. Mm-hmm. And so I don't place a limit on what's next. Yeah. But at the moment, I can say that I am currently doing a beta program specifically about burnout for professionals and, you know, entrepreneurs yeah. and side hustlers because I've experienced burnout. I know how debilitating it is. I know how it affects your mental health and your physical health. And so I want to make sure that we have space to to take care of ourselves beyond the generic self-care speech. Yep. Um, so I'm working on a beta program currently for, for that. So I'm excited. And I'm also working with agencies and corporate um, work environments and nonprofits around that same thing that you were talking about, having those wellness workplace consultations and figuring out, okay, what are the, what are the common things um, or challenges that are happening and how can we truly transform this environment so that people feel excited to be here, feel purposed to be here and have the resources to succeed um, and then, you know, the same old, same old me running my mouth and speaking <laughs> with colleges and universities about mental health and wellness. So, so important that that is what 
I, I truly believe will, will be a forever theme in my life because I'm just passionate about about people healing, yeah. specifically people of color yeah. and making sure that we know that we deserve this. It is possible. It can happen for us. Yes. Intergenerational trauma is real, but we, we can be the generation that changes that. Yes. Oh, I love, love, love that. And I'm so excited to see what comes from the work you're doing, the beta testing, Thank the program you. about burnout. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what comes of that for sure. Thank you. Yeah. I will definitely keep you updated. Yes. Um, when the Wu-Saw intensive is yes. complete. Yes. So. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so I'm excited. Amazing. Well, my next question is, what does being a balanced Black girl mean to you? Being a balanced Black girl, it means being human. Mm-hmm. And it means allowing mm-hmm. myself the grace to, to mess up, yeah. to fail up, to, to grieve and just allow myself just grace. I am (laughs) a recovering perfectionist. Mm -hmm. And so I just have to allow myself to just be okay with not being perfect and recognizing like I'm doing what I can and I'm showing up as long as I'm being real and trying and authentic and not lying to myself or others. That is what being a balanced black girl means to me. Mm, Beautiful. Love that. Love that. Every answer that I get, I'm always like, yes, because everyone's is totally different. But remembering that you're human and giving space for your humanity is beautiful. Amazing. So how can our audience keep in touch with you from here? Because I know everybody's going to want to. (laughs) You might have people knocking down your door being like, I'm burnt out. What do I do? I got you, boo. (laughs) So I have a website. It's www.justdevia.com. And I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram at justdevia, LinkedIn, Devia Roberts. Essentially, it's not very hard to find me <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> you have to be a Roberts. Trust me, you're going to find me. I don't have a very common name. <laughs> but <laughs> if you um, follow me on Twitter or Instagram, Instagram, then you'll definitely find mental health resources and jewels and things like that, that I just love to share. And you can listen to the Affirm podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Amazing. We'll have all of that linked in the show notes. And I have to say your Twitter accounts is one of my favorites. I think I found you on Twitter originally a while ago, but I love your Twitter. So thank you. It's one of my favorites. So plug in that for all of our listeners. Seriously, I appreciate so it. Thank you for this this time today. I yes. appreciate. It. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I loved having you. 